0: guys welcome back to another episode of the shades of strong podcast where we are creating space for black women to do strong differently so that they can do life with less stress less worry and less emotional overwhelm i'm Cheryl. unfortunately unfortunately nanny will not be joining us today she is not feeling well Although Natty is not here, I do have an amazing guest in the virtual studio with me today. She is actually a listener who is now a guest on the podcast. Hey Poppy, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Wonderful. I am so happy to have you here. Like I said, guys, Poppy is one of our listeners who's been listening to Shades and Strong for quite some time. And she reached out and said, you know what, I think I want to tell my story. And I was like, yes, sis, come on and do the thing. So here she is all the way from South Africa. Before we get into the episode, Poppy, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, what sets your soul on fire.
1: Okay. So I am 34 years old. I'm from South Africa. I'm black. I'm queer. I'm a woman. I also work as a shaman. So in South Africa, it's called the Sangoma. So I do different types of healing work. I do psychic work, prophetic, uh, medium work, and shamanic work. I also do coaching, which is an area where I actually help owners of creative businesses To like sort out their business problems by using the guidance of my ancestors and their ancestors. And I am also a two times published author. So I have a children's book, Dumi Goes to the Park, and it was released about five years ago. And it's based on my niece, Kidumezu, who I, I think she was like around two or three at the time. And the reason I wrote that book was because a lot of people in my family would say to her that she needed to behave like a girl. And like, what does that even mean? Girls can behave in whatever way they want to. I mean, she's, so she's not very ladylike, which I think is fine. She's just being herself. We all just need to adjust and let her be. I mean, I, I like had different themes in the book. I think at the time I was also very fed up because people like to talk about women's hairstyles. Uh So Dumi's mother's hair, she has it, it's it's an afro in like a very funky looking way because I wanted to say that women can wear their hair any way they want to. It's none of anyone's business. The setting is at a park because, you know, some people believe that in Africa, we don't have any parks and stuff like that. Some parts of Africa actually developed and we have parks and we have roads and stuff like that. So it was also like an educational thing. And also, um, i would noticed a lot that in children's books, the girls are usually very timid. So um, the main character, who's based on my niece, is very friendly, and she makes friends with a boy at the park. And instead of her being the shy one, it's the guy, well, the boy who's actually more shy. So the second book I also published under Penguin Random House was a memoir, a celebrity memoir. So there's someone called hoteki show in South Africa and he's the co-producer and the host of Idol South Africa and he's also a rapper and he's on TV and he's also on the radio and he's a businessman he, he does like all sorts of interesting and very inspiring stuff. So I got the opportunity to write his book which was very exciting. And yeah I think that was like the biggest writing project I ever worked on. It was very exciting but also very very challenging, I'd say and what else do i do i think one of the most exciting things for me is that i recently um, launched a seven-day challenge to celebrate yourself because i found that a lot of people were not celebrating themselves intentionally and consistently and i was one of those people and yeah it was under the guidance of my ancestors i came up with this challenge which also challenged me because i realized that i also had a lot of issues mm-hmm. regarding this thing of celebrating myself so it it gave me more compassion for other people when they're like, uh, actually, I don't want to celebrate myself, especially the overachievers, because I'm like, I'm one of those people. And yeah, it just makes me less hard on them and just like hear them out and understand what it feels like for them to celebrate themselves. Because I used to feel like, oh, geez, I used to feel so gross celebrating myself. Uh-huh. I used to feel yeah. like, oh my word, why am I doing this? Why am I drawing attention to myself? What if other people think that I think that I'm better for centering myself? You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I ended I ended up um getting into like this thing of you know coaching other people to like learn to celebrate themselves because there's so many layers to to this thing of celebrating yourself. It's it's really not easy for a lot of people, especially Black people. Yeah, and it's another it's a thing that I see because I also started a podcast called I'm Clapping for You, which is about celebrating Africans from all over the world. I have a question where I ask, do you celebrate yourself? I think uh the guests, although I'm on episode number two, I think my guests so far are people who are only learning to celebrate themselves and see themselves. And they've done such incredible work. They're such overachievers. And one of the things that I've picked up about overachievers is that many of us think that we only get to celebrate ourselves once we've achieved our goal. Oh, but actually... You should be celebrating even the small things, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think celebrating yourself has to be about buying a car or like getting a degree, you know, stuff like that. You can celebrate the other stuff like what if you're having a tough day and you manage to get out of bed, right? I think that's a big deal, right? So it, it's it's relative. It's like that thing about how showing up for yourself looks different every day. So you won't always be celebrating the big things. Celebrate the other stuff. What if um, you're aiming to drink eight glasses of water every day, right? And you did it today. Good for you. Celebrate. Be proud of you, you know, because you're doing this. I agree. Okay, so let's get into
0: it. So when you hear the words strong black woman, what comes up for you?
1: Well, I mean, I think from the healing work that I have been doing on myself, I mean, obviously with the help of coaches and therapists throughout Mm -hmm. the years, I think that what makes you strong as a black woman is your ability to, to prioritize yourself and also allow yourself to be supported. I think we're socialized to um, prioritize other people and be like number 10 on our list of priorities. And like, you know, like the hyper-independence where you think that you have to do everything all on your own. It makes no sense, but we are expected to be like that. And I don't think that's strength. It just means that you're stretched and you're about to snap. And you don't have enough hours to even sleep in a day. So if you can learn to allow yourself to be supported, I mean, I know that asking for help can be very hard for some people, but it's important. And if you can see how important you are by putting yourself as number one on your list of priorities, that is great. You're doing well, you're strong. And you're a strong black woman, basically. So how do you allow yourself to be supported, Poppy? It's been very hard, hey? I've had to learn, I've had to like, you know, I mean, I think one of the reasons I didn't let people support me before was because I thought that they're going to see me as this weak little pimp and take advantage of me, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to, like, look strong. I mean, one of my um, examples of a strong woman is my mom, and she does it all all on her own. She doesn't ask for anyone's help. And, you know, even in her marriage, she's like the person running the show. My dad isn't, like, the most amazing husband ever. He still behaves like a bachelor my mom's had to like be a single married woman Mm. and look after me and my sister and look after other people and 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 like she has an endless list of things to do so that was my model of what a strong black woman was and and that meant that if I want to be like that I shouldn't ask for help I've had to like work through that and see that I'm not living in isolation I'm in a community and one of the things that make Relationships better is if you're able to depend on other people and let them in and let them help you. And it doesn't mean that you're weak if you accept help. How did you get to this space where
0: you decided that, okay, this is how mom did life. And I absolutely do not want to live my life in that space. Was there, was, was there like an awakening moment for you?
1: I think I've had many awakening moments, right? But I think the biggest one for me was when I initiated to become a shaman. What that did for me was it really changed my life, right? I was like, I mean, obviously, if you're going to go through a spiritual awakening like that, you'd have to be mad to not like change for better, right? Right. So, yeah, and I also carried so much trauma. The trauma was also because of how life was for me, living through the various, various years of my life, carrying this gift, which I at the time saw as a burden and then having to go to initiation school, which was so challenging, it almost broke me. And then having to like graduate and become a shaman and then live in this world that I couldn't like entirely relate to. And also I had changed as a person. Mm-hmm. I even got to a point where my ancestors after initiation school suggested that I start Seeing a psychologist who's also a a trained shaman, which really helped me, it meant that I wasn't spending the entire hour of therapy trying to explain myself because my psychologist got it, which was very helpful. I guess it's that thing about, you know, representation being really important. And then I started working with this coach and she deals with ancestral trauma, which was really helpful for me. Cause like one of the things you do as a shaman is that you're actually a conduit of your ancestors, you're managing different energies, and sometimes it's hard to manage those energies if you have beef with them. And wow. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was also like living through a time where I was just so mad because uh-huh, I uh-huh. have this gift and I was just like going through a why me thing, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, dear ancestors, you could have picked my cousins Mm -hmm. or whoever and i also grew up christian and like in the church what we believed was that you know believing in ancestors was demonic right so imagine having this yeah yeah so imagine having this gift where you can communicate clearly with your ancestors but it's demonized so how do you actually embrace it Mm -hmm. so i was just like dealing with all that stuff and it's taken such a long time to work through this and i'm still working through this stuff but yeah, I'd have to say that things are better now.
0: So you talked a little bit about ancestral trauma and I recall asking you if you had to define strong and you, you would say my strong is, I forgot how you, how you put it, but it has something to do with relating to or being able to sit through the uncomfortable emotions of your ancestral trauma. And so in that, what has that Like sitting in those feelings because we talk a lot about being able to sit in the Mm. discomfort of an emotion. So what has what what was it like to be able to just sit in that? I mean, I have an idea, but what was it like to be able to sit in it? Like, how uncomfortable was it, and how did you get through it?
1: Oh my gosh! So honestly, I I, sometimes I get it when people don't want to heal because it's just so hard, and Mm -hmm. sometimes it feels like your heart is. Yeah, it feels like your heart is breaking, right? Mm -hmm. And being in therapy and working with a coach or coaches, that's like another level of accountability, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing that I learned is that as you heal, you're also healing your lineage. So that includes your ancestors, right? And I think one of the things that made it easier for me to sit with those uncomfortable emotions without even, you know, I mean, sometimes I'd run away. I'd just be like, geez, bye. This is too hard. Like, whatever. Pick someone else. But then every time I thought about like, geez, imagine at the age of 60 and I'm still dealing with this drama. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be like living the same life? Yes. Because I deserve better. Right. It's
0: like the whole thing where people say you have to go through in order to get to. And a lot of us don't want to go through the pain yeah. and the trauma of it all to get on the other side of it, but there's really no other way out. No, you have to go through the pain in order Mm. to get the healing that you, that you need. And and I asked that question because like you were saying, a lot of us are so, we put off getting the healing work that we need because it's going to open up a lot of old, old wounds. I know for myself personally, when I first started going to therapy, I quit. <laughs> like I yeah. was like I can't do and this. I, I don't want to do this. Like I set out for like a month and I was meeting with my therapist every week, but for a month I was just like, I need a break. I can't, I can't do it. But then I was like, okay, we have to do this work. So I understand. The discomfort that comes with that healing process, but can we just agree it has to be done, sis? (laughs) It has has to to be be done. done. Like it, it
1: it really has to be done. And even for me, um, just like sitting there all uncomfortable, also like reaching out to my different ancestors to understand why some of the people, well, some of some of the members of my family behave a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not a personality thing. It's not a family thing because you know how some families will say, oh, no, that's just how we are because we are this family. Sometimes it's because of trauma. And some people in your family will probably only start working through their own stuff when they've seen you do it because now it's real and they can see how, you know, things are turning around for you, right? Mm-hmm. And also I was just bothered by how – Small and close up my world was when I was just like not working through you know a lot of my trauma. I was just a different person, and mm-hmm. now I'm a lot more open, so I think that's like the thing that also encourages me um in terms of working through the stuff I'm like sit it through mm-hmm. and like the sun will shine again, right? right? and things will get better. things just things suck right now, but like just just do it, show up and do the thing. You'll be fine and being part of a community of other women who are working through their own trauma knowing that someone will be holding space for me and it doesn't matter how i feel or how stupid i think i sound um, while like crying through whatever you know mm-hmm. just knowing that there's someone out there who's there with me um and they're available to talk to me it just makes life a whole lot easier i don't feel like i'm alone
0: Right. Community is so important when you're going yeah. through, a, through a healing journey because it can be so heavy. And yeah. if you're not careful when you are at your most vulnerable or in your most naked state, it will break you rather than he- than helping you if you don't yes. have that support of community around you. So if you're listening to this and you are going through a healing process, just know that I know she's the strongest here. I feel certain that Poppy (laughs) would (laughs) would surround because I've had conversation with her. She's such a sweet spirit. I feel confident in saying that she would that she would be there to support you as well. So I just wanted to plug that. So feel free to reach out if you're on a healing journey and it feels lonely sometimes and it feels scary and it feels like it's just too heavy for you to go through it, I want you to know that there's support here. There's support with myself and Natty and Poppy, who's also guesting on the podcast today. Anyway, just want to plug that in. But in our previous conversation, Poppy, you mentioned that you enjoy listening to the podcast because the way Black women are often seen in society is actually quite toxic. I think that's the word that you use. And you yeah. said that you, that you believe that, um, the podcast is supporting us and not seeing ourselves as machines. And that yeah. word "machine" like really struck me because I can say my my own personal personal testimony is that I've always been this type of person. This that's just constantly on the go and always has always felt like I had to be being and doing all the things all the time. Yeah. And so let's talk about that for a moment. Like what has been your experience as a black woman in society that in in a in a society that not only recognizes or acknowledges, that only recognizes or acknowledges us when we are being and doing all the things.
1: I think one of the things that bothers me is that in society, my tears as a black woman do not carry as much currency as the tears of a white woman. Like I can I can cry and be sad and not many people will take me seriously. But Mm -hmm. if a white woman cries, even if she goes as as far as complaining at some establishments, she'll be taken seriously. And it's just like, maybe I should shut up because no one cares. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so my, my voice is not as important as white women's. And mm-hmm. I know that society also sees me as cheap labor because in terms of being paid for the work that black women do, we're usually right at the bottom, right. which is not great. Um, the other thing is that if you're, if you're a black woman, like you said, you're expected to be a machine. So rest is not something that you're expected to do you need to literally be toiling all the time you are working the entire time there is no rest you don't sleep enough hours because there is always something that you need to be doing and also there's just this tendency where society expects you to just keep on proving yourself like you'll never it's like you'll never be good enough right um some races it's easier for them to get ahead but if you are a black woman you're expected to have like 5 degrees or whatever you know, just to be on the same level as some other white person who probably has a certificate. I don't think that's cool.
0: I hear this all the time that we have to, to work twice as hard to get half of what, yeah. of what they have. And that seems so unfair in a world where there's supposed to be equal opportunity yeah, for all of us. So how do, how do you navigate spaces like that, Poppy, when you are in a space where you feel like there's a difference in equity and equality?
1: I think for me so initially i had to like really understand how society works and not use that as a way to like value myself right so i know how society views us as black women but i don't have to view myself like that and yeah i don't have to like i i need to well i see myself as Way more valuable than that. And to also know that um, sometimes when people say nasty things about black people or even black women, I don't have to take it personally. It is upsetting. It is very like it's so infuriating. Right. Mm -hmm. But I can just allow myself, like give myself the space to be upset, deal with that and move on. I don't have to carry that with myself. And also being in communities where people, um, well, where black people in general are creating their own opportunities also helps, right? Because it, it makes me see that we can create our own communities and that I don't have to like, you know, sit around waiting for other people to choose me. I can just like do my own thing and just work on it.
0: That also ties back into where you were talking about the importance of being able to celebrate yourself. And in yeah. the beginning, you were saying that how oftentimes are, are you used to be a little uncomfortable? with celebrating yourself because a lot of times we think it we think it's being braggadocious and people Hmm. are are going to say oh my gosh here she goes talking about herself again but yeah all things considered we deserve to celebrate ourselves and like like you were saying whether it whether is you know in the airports big things are the are the small things everything i think just being able to get up in in the morning and being able to find a space of peace <laughs> with yeah. the world oftentimes being in turmoil. It's worth celebrating. It's, yeah, it's like, I think life is a daily celebration. It is. So I want to talk about this, this really quick, if you're comfortable doing so. You mentioned in our previous conversation where before you became shaman, you um were in this space where you were mothering your mother and you were mothering your sister, but no one was mothering you. Can we talk a little bit about that?
1: Oh my goodness. That was so crazy. So my sister and I have this really wide age gap. I'm 11 years older than her, right? My parents got married when I was 10 and then we moved to a different neighborhood where like my mom didn't know anyone. I mean, where we stayed before, my grandmother was just down the road and I had like relatives close by. Then now we're in this new um Uh, what's it neighborhood my dad is wilding out because he's still behaving like he's a bachelor and my mom is a nurse and she's like working long hours sometimes she's studying guess who has to look after her sister me the firstborn daughter you know how firstborns are usually referred to as deputy parents well yeah that's what happened to me so Like, I couldn't do a lot of normal things that other kids did, right? I had very limited time. I had to, like, pick my sister up from nursery school on Saturdays if my mom was working. A lot of the time, I would have to, like, look after her. And, like, one of my turning points was a few years ago where I was sitting with a financial advisor. And I realized that, like, when I was thinking of, like, planning my future... I wouldn't really focus on, oh, this is what I want. I was more like focused on how my mom and my sister would cope if I died, you know, and that stuff that parents do, right? I was just like, no way I need to get alive. I was just like, yeah, I was just so attached to them. And also at the time I was like, you know, those people who are like project managers and they take over everything. And they feel like they need to be running everyone's life when they should actually Mm -hmm. be minding their own business. I used to be that person. I was just like overly involved in other people's business because I, I, you know, I thought they were my children, right? And I think that just gave my mom a free pass because even when my sister gave her problems, she would call me. And be like, this is what your sister's doing. I mean, as if that was my problem, but that just tells you that I was everyone's mom and people came to me for advice when I should have been running to them. And it's such an insane thing because also, you know, while I was working through like all these things, when my sister turned, I think she was like 21 or 22. And I said to her, look, I've been mothering you your whole life and I want to live my life now. Like I can't do this anymore. And she gave, like, this really discouraging answer, which was, like, Paul, I wish you had picked a better time, which really hurt me. Wow. And, yeah, and I just realized that, you know what, sometimes you will be, like, putting so much energy into other people's lives, and they just see it as a normal thing. They're not seeing that you're actually sacrificing sacrificing yourself, and, yeah, that just, like, helped me see, that like, even more clearly how important it was for me to focus on myself, prioritize myself and start actually living for me because before I wasn't, I was just so focused on my mom and my sister and looking after them and just being this person who was just running things and basically I was their mother and and I didn't have anyone mothering me. Did
0: you feel any type of guilt when you decided that I don't want to do this anymore, that I don't want to mother them anymore? Did any type of guilt come along with that?
1: You know what? Part of the reason why I was mothering them, like looking back now, is that I was also scared of like losing love from them. I was very Mm -hmm. concerned with being the daughter that my mom wanted me to be. And I wanted to like make everything okay with her because I felt so sorry for her. I mean, she had this crappy husband. She still does. I mean, I know I'm not speaking well of my father, but honestly, I'm just being honest, guys. Like, It is what it is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I did feel guilty because I had more money. I had more opportunities. And sometimes I used my money to buy their love. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I used money to, yeah, I I basically used money to buy their love. And I felt bad for having the money I had. Mm -hmm. And sometimes spending it on them was like one of my ways of trying to get rid of it because I I felt gross. I felt ashamed of myself. Mm Yeah.
0: So there are so many layers to this. And I know we don't have time to go into all of it. But if there's somebody that's listening, and perhaps they are in, in this space where they are taking care of every, everyone and no one is taking care of them, how can they... Move out of this space into a safer, more kinder, more loving space where they are honoring themselves and celebrating themselves without having the guilt and the shame attached to it. Like, what would you, what would you suggest to them?
1: You know what, I think that if you are ever going to be navigating something that is that big, you definitely need support because mm-hmm. I can't say to you, oh my gosh, yo, I managed to just do this on my own. I woke up right, in the morning and right. I was like, you know what, enough is enough. What really helped me was working with experts who were like very strong in these areas, like making sure that I went for therapy consistently and talked about the hard things and like investing in coaches, right? I've had different coaches throughout the years. And it's been expensive, but I can tell you now that I'm not the same person I was like five years ago or even a year ago, right? But I think also it's important for you to acknowledge exactly where you are and to give yourself the space to feel those emotions, right? And have compassion for yourself, right? If you don't have the money to go for therapy, I think maybe you can start small, start by journaling and, you know, having different journal prompts and, you know, just like, Sitting with yourself and sitting with those uncomfortable emotions, and giving yourself permission to, you know, keep digging and digging and digging. Like we said, it's very uncomfortable, but like at some point you'll get there.
0: Absolutely, and I think it's so important that you mention that piece about if you are not in a financial position to afford therapy, because a lot of us aren't. You know, for many of us, going to therapy is a luxury.
1: Yeah, it's expensive.
0: It, It is. It it gets quite costly. So. Having space to journal, I I think that's an excellent place to start to just kind of write about how you're feeling and what you're feeling. I find that it helps me to move through, you Mm. know, a a lot of the things, you know, that I've experienced in my life. So if you're not equal. to pay for professional support then journaling is a a great place to start so yeah so tell us what does poppy do to celebrate herself daily like people feel like this like (laughs) like you were saying before like this has it, it has to be some huge some huge thing that happens like i i practice nurturing myself every day like just want to get into the practice of doing that so what is your what is your um and what is your practice of celebrating yourself? What do you do on a daily basis to celebrate? Mommy?
1: So I realized I actually wrote a post on Instagram today where I was like, actually, the majority of my celebrations, loud music, usually I'm a piano, songs, mm-hmm. and dancing, because that's like those are like a lot of fun for me. And um, you don't have to be buying something new to celebrate yourself. You can literally, I think, find something in your in your in your home. Like help you celebrate yourself, right? So even simple things like sitting down to have your favorite um tea with like cookies, you know, just giving yourself that space to mm-hmm. actually see yourself. So because I'm this person who loves schedules, <laughs> I have a schedule for every single day. Um, so part of my celebrations are rooted mainly in um what's it, creativity, because I'm a creative. And I feel like I thrive when I do things that are creative and I also like to have fun. So like, for instance, on Mondays, I focus more on like coloring in because it, it helps me relax so much. And then um, I also have swimming on Wednesdays and then I have piano in the evenings. I play tennis as well. Um, I'm also very obsessed with building Lego. I've actually joined Oh, Lego wow. Club. Really? Yeah. I'm so, <laughs> so crazy about Lego. Yeah. So when I applied to join this club, they were like, why do you want to join? And I was like, I want to be a master builder in the next 10 years. Okay? Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Like, I, I'm serious. It's just like, it's one of my favorite things. I'm actually going to a Lego exhibition on Saturday and I'm like really looking forward to it. And the stuff that was, yeah, the stuff that's being exhibited was built by the people I'm in this club with. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I also love to do watercolor painting, which is like on Sundays. But also my schedule also includes things that have to do with self-care. So I have days where I like use my foot spa, days where I will, you know, have a bath where I use Epsom salts because they help me to like relax. So, yeah, I do things that I love. Like, for instance, I love to run. I try to run at least twice a week. Um, I love running so much. And it's largely because I feel like running pulled me out of so many, like, tough seasons in my life. Like, for instance, when I was, like, deep within depression Mm -hmm. running was the one thing that I could like identify with you know when I was on antidepressants many years ago I would run so that the side effects wouldn't be as bad so yeah I'm one of those people who think that you know whether you're happy or sad go for a run you'll be happy because it makes me happy so yeah I have different things and I also love to read so like this year I'm aiming to read I think four Books. Reading's just one of the things that, that I'm like crazy about. I'm in a reading club. Um, I'm also in this thing called reading dates where a friend picks a really nice venue and everyone shows up with a book and you all read and then after that we have lunch. So I try to live a life that helps me um I'd say engage with things that I love mm-hmm. so that I can like be in this state of well, I wanna feel some kind of some level of pleasure every day, right? Yeah, I think it's so important for you to feel pleasure as a black woman and it doesn't even have to be sexual pleasure, like all kinds of pleasure, like eating food that you love, right? Like a friend and I love to go find dining at least once a month. Um, yeah, just being able to do things that you love and living a, a life that you're actually able to look at and just be like, you know, I actually love my life, you know, and it's very important for me because I used to live a life I was trying to run away from and now I just love my life and I'm happy.
0: Yes, I love that. Doesn't it feel good to love your life? Like seriously, like wake up and really love your life. Like to be in that space, so much joy and so much peace. And I'm saying that from personal experience. (laughs) I love that for you. (laughs) Thank you. And I love it for you. All right, guys, um, we are coming to the end of this great time with Pobby. Pobby, are there any final words that you want to uh, want our listeners to take away from today's conversation?
1: I just want to say that if it's hard for you to celebrate yourself, I totally get it. Um, While working through this whole celebration thing, I also realized that I have my own issues and my issues are not unique to me. And one of the things I discovered was that, well, through the work I do as a shaman is that some people are really scared to celebrate themselves because, you know, witchcraft is such a big thing, right? Like, especially in South Africa, uh, some people know of an uncle or an aunt or maybe even their mom who, let's say got to buy the latest car that they'd been like wanting to drive for a long time and then a few days later there's like a story of how that person died in some freak accident so sometimes people are scared to celebrate themselves publicly sometimes they're even scared to say that life is going well and they're happy and celebrating because they think they're going to jinx everything or maybe like a witch or some evil person's going to hear it and just ruin everything for themselves And if that's you, I really hope that you, you know, hold yourself in compassion and I get it. like celebrating yourself can be triggering. Right. And, and, and it's okay. Right. That's where you are right now. But I hope that tomorrow you'll give yourself a break and try again. I think it's absolutely worth it for you to celebrate yourself because one of the the things that I have learned through like celebrating myself intentionally and consistently is that I now get to see myself as a big deal. In my life, right? And it's also a big deal. Yeah. Exactly. And it's also lessened that whole thing of comparing myself to other people. Like I have a better understanding of the fact that I'm on my own journey. And like it gives me a lot of confidence and and just understanding that, you know, it is what it is. It's important that I'm visible to myself and and also give other people permission to also see me. I can't be hiding, right? I'm not like some kind of wallpaper And that's not who you are And I hope that one day You give yourself the space To just go out there And shine And be the person That you're meant to be And live the big life That you're meant to live Without even feeling bad about it Yes I love it I absolutely love it Because we are not The
0: expectations That society has placed on us And we all deserve yeah. To be celebrated For the whole Of who we are Yeah oh, y'all but that's about it probably tell our listeners where we can find you in the online space for those who want to connect with you
1: okay cool so i'm on instagram and facebook the names of my pages on each um, platform is come see beyond because i wanted people to start looking beyond themselves so i changed Mm -hmm. from like using my personal name to come see beyond so instagram and facebook that's who i am
0: all right, and we will have all of Poppy's information listed in the show notes of this episode, including the books that she's authored and um links for the work that she's doing. So if you want to get connected with her, hop over, hop down into the show notes of this episode, click on the link, and we'll take you right there. All right, guys, that is it for today's episode. We will be back here next week with a brand new episode.